Welcome to this podcast message from Kingdom Faith. I'm going to read a few verses from Hebrews chapter 7. I'm going to read from verse 23. Now there have been many of those priests since death presented them from continuing in office as high priests. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. The point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by men. Last night, towards the end of the meeting, I knew that if I was to start to lay hands on people, the power of God would come upon them, the place would be filled with bodies all over the place. And when you know the anointing is, is there for God to move in such a way, it requires a little bit of self-discipline not to do what you would want to do. But we didn't get into a time of ministry like that because God has something better that he wants to do today. And I'm going to just give you a little diagram here based upon the temple and what the temple signifies for us to understand what Jesus has done for us and how we are to follow in the way that he has planned for us. It would be much better than somebody imparting in the name of Jesus for people to be able to draw near to the throne themselves to receive from the Lord. It doesn't mean that the laying on of hands is redundant. But somebody who has, is, if, if you like, is in contact with the one on the throne, God can use. But he wants that to be true of all of us not just of some of us. And only if that's true of all of us will he break out of our lives in the way that he wants and for us to become 
partakers, but also those who are able to convey his life to other people. Now, basically the temple was, this is really simplifying the whole thing, in three areas. We'll start with the Holy of Holies. Now, we're talking this morning about the heavenly Holy of Holies. The temple was based upon what God is doing in the heavenlies. Now, in the Holy of Holies, Jesus Christ reigns together with the Father. He is our holy priest and king. So if we are to fulfill the scripture and to press into the Holy of Holies, we meet with the Holy One who is both our high priest and our king. Now, in the history of Israel, those were two distinct and separate things, the high priest and the king. Only in Jesus do those two offices come together. But there is no way of getting into the Holy of Holies without first passing through the holy place. Here you have what we'll call the outer court. And we'll see what Jesus did in these three places in a moment. But to get from the outer court into the holy of holies, you have to pass through the holy place. And that was true for Jesus. We have to follow in the way that he has opened up for us. The holy place prepares us to be able to meet with God in the Holy of Holies. Because in the Holy of Holies there can be nothing imperfect, there can be no sin, there can be no darkness. Everything is filled with his holiness and with his glory. So let's just follow what Jesus did. He taught in the outer court. He performed miracles in the outer court and of course beyond the temple, out in the world. He was ministering the gospel of the kingdom. Now, we saw yesterday, both in the morning and the evening, that the power of God could be manifested in his life because he was at one with his Father 
in the Holy of Holies. In the place of glory. This really is the place of the glory of God. So Jesus is reigning with the Father in glory. While he was ministering in the outer court and in the world, he was at one with the Father in the holy place. There was the occasion when he took Peter, James, and John up the Mount of Transfiguration. And there, his natural body was transformed into his glorious body. Now that was a demonstration to those three disciples that the secret of Jesus' ministry was his unity with the Father. He said that in many ways on different occasions. But they saw a graphic demonstration of that. That the glory of God was being revealed through the things that Jesus said and did in the outer court and in the world because he was at one with the Father in glory. But of course God's purpose was that Jesus, although he was sent alone as the only Son of God, he would return to the glory of heaven at the head of a great procession of those who were saved and made ready to encounter God in his glory. So <clears throat> he had to go through the holy place. Now for Jesus... This was the cross. In the holy place, the priest offered sacrifices. Now the purpose of the sacrifices was twofold. For the cleansing of sin, and of offering to God various, for various reasons, various kinds of offering. So Jesus actually took all of us as sinners into the holy place and there he sacrificed his life for us. But as Paul gives his testimony, we have been crucified with Christ. So he took us into this holy place, took us to the cross for the cleansing of our lives from all that is sinful so that we could be one with God in his holiness in his majesty, in his glory. And he showed how that was, what was necessary was the total offering 
of himself, even to the point of death, in order to accomplish that cleansing. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, Paul says that Jesus has become for us the wisdom of God. And he says that that wisdom consists of three things. Righteousness, holiness, and redemption. The wisdom of God is that through his sacrifice, Jesus becomes for us our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. Now, what does that mean? What is the significance of that? Only a holy people can enter into the Holy of Holies. Only a holy people can be at one with the one who reigns as the holy priest king. So what Jesus had to accomplish through the cross is that first we would be what the scripture calls justified, made righteous, made totally acceptable in God's sight. Sinners are unacceptable in the sight of God. You sometimes hear people say, God accepts us as we are. That is not true. As we are in our natural state, every person is unacceptable to God because of sin. What Jesus accomplished through his sacrifice is to make us righteous, to justify us, to make us totally acceptable to God. So before we could pass into the Holy of Holies to encounter and to meet with God and to receive that heavenly life that he wants to pour from his throne, to actually meet with him in his glory, we had to be made righteous. We had to be made acceptable. Now, there's nothing that we can do to make ourselves acceptable to God. It had to be the work of Jesus, and he accomplished that through the cross. So, he is the wisdom of God because... In his wisdom, God knows there's no way that we could ever encounter him in the Holy of Holies, either now or eternally, unless we were first made righteous. And of course, this is what Paul explains at great length in the opening chapters of his epistle to the Romans, how God has made us, justified us, made us righteous, 
made us acceptable in God's sight. But to be one with the Holy One, we not only need to be accepted, but we need to be made holy. And just as there is nothing we can do to justify ourselves or to make ourselves righteous, so there's nothing we can do to make ourselves holy. To be holy, we have to first be cleansed of everything that is not holy. This is why the cross and the pouring out of the blood of Jesus was absolutely essential because it's only that blood, blood signifying life. It's only by the giving of his life through that blood that we can be cleansed of everything that is unholy. That deals with all the negative. But that does not impart holiness to us. The blood cleanses us of what is unholy. In his wisdom, God knew that it would be necessary for his own spirit of holiness to come to live within us. But the spirit of holiness could not come to live in anyone until first they had been made acceptable or righteous or been justified, however you explain it. So Jesus is our wisdom from God. He is our righteousness, our holiness. But what the scripture makes clear is that spirit of holiness could not be poured out upon God's people until Jesus had passed through the holy place and into the heavenly sanctuary, into the holy of holies. Then the spirit of holiness could be poured out. But he's also our redemption. Now, what does that mean? It means that we're redeemed in the sense that God has paid the price for us with the sacrifice of his son so that we can belong to him. Not to ourselves, but to him. So those who are saved, those who have received salvation, do not belong to themselves. If, if you still belong to yourself, then you're not saved. You can only be saved if you acknowledge that your life belongs to God. But redemption is more than that. Redemption signifies that God has done a complete work that makes us fit to meet with him in his glory. So he deals with everything that is not right. He sanctifies us, makes us holy, makes us more and more like himself, and fits us, makes us fit, makes us worthy, makes us able to meet with him in the heavenly sanctuary, in his glory. Now, this is where the throne of God exists. 
And we know in the epistle to Hebrews that we are invited, we are commanded to draw near to come right before the throne. There we will receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We are to come with sincere hearts and in full assurance of faith. Now a sincere heart is one that has been cleansed and offered without reservation to the Lord. A heart that is surrendered, a heart that is given over to God. A sincere heart and full assurance of faith that we have been made righteous, we have been made holy, and we have been equipped, made worthy, ready to be able to meet with God in his glory, in his majesty, in his holiness. So in his wonderful love for us, God is constantly drawing us through the holy place into the holy of holies. A lot of people in their worship Imagine they're in the Holy of Holies when in fact they're only in the holy place. If you experience the holy presence of God, that is the holy place. It's not the holy of holies. In the Holy of Holies, you don't have musicians playing songs. You're not even singing songs. As we see in heaven... Everything is focused on the one on the throne. And those who worship him in his holiness bow before him and cast their crowns before him. It's difficult to stand in the presence of the Holy One. And that is because to come through this holy place into the Holy of Holies, this way is reserved only for the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may exalt you. What does it mean to be exalted? It means to be lifted up. It means to be lifted up to the highest place. So we have to go through a process either of humbling ourselves or of being humbled before we actually meet with God in the Holy of Holies to really encounter him as he is. This was true of Jesus just as much as it is true for us. So he described his own heart as humble and gentle. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am humble and gentle in heart. God resists the proud. The proud can't get beyond the holy place. 
God has to cleanse us of the pride to take us right into the Holy of Holies where we meet with him and where there's that impartation of his life into our lives. Now Jesus has opened up the way but we can't sing our ways in, into that place. We have to go through the same process of being cleansed, of surrender, of offering, of humbly presenting ourselves before the Lord. It's not a question of saying, Jesus has done this work for me, so I can just come into the Holy of Holies. You see so little, really, of, of this in, in the life of the churches. The reality is this. When there's a people living in what is usually called revival, although I hesitate to use that word because it can be used by people to mean so many different things, but genuine revival is because people are meeting with God in the Holy of Holies. And because they are meeting with him in the Holy of Holies, when they come out of that place into the world, there is such a sense of the holiness of God that other people come under conviction of sin. Sometimes just because there is someone present who has been in the Holy of Holies. Something of the holiness of God convicts the sinners of their sin. This is why you see harvest, why you see so many people coming to the Lord in times of revival. It's because of the dynamic of Christ upon his people, both personally and corporately. So it is common for a revival meeting to go on for hours because people are gripped in the presence of God, in the Holy of Holies. And sometimes they can't move. I mean, I've known occasions when we have been pinned to the floor on our faces for hours, unable to move because we're in that place, in the Holy of Holies, before the throne of God. Time does not exist in the Holy of Holies because we're meeting with God in his eternity. So you can't, you can't put limitations on God as to how he is to bring all this into effect in our lives. And there's going to be times like that, I believe, during these coming weeks, we have known such times in the past, but there may well be occasions when we begin to meet with God here at the 8 o'clock and we abandon the lecture program because we're just gripped in his presence till lunchtime or perhaps beyond. But that's not something you can contrive or plan. It's something that comes about by the grace of God himself. But we have to understand the process. Now you see, Jesus 
was one with the Father in this place of glory while he was ministering. So therefore, wherever he went, there was impartation. Healing, miracles, life, forgiveness, so on. But he was constantly imparting. We know that it doesn't matter how busy he was, if he was too busy during the day in ministry, then he would pray through the night. Because he knew that apart from the Father, he could do nothing. Therefore, everything in his ministry was dependent upon his unity with the Father in the Holy of Holies. So there were probably many occasions when Jesus drew aside to be with the Father and you know, he, he had a manifestation of glory, but others weren't present on those occasions except on that one time when he took Peter, James, and John up the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, all this is necessary for us to understand so that we realize that Jesus himself has done the whole job for us. He is our priest who has offered the sacrifice and who now serves us, as we just read in that scripture, continues to serve us from heaven. So if you like, while we're in this holy place, it's the life of God that flows from the throne that cleanses. As we offer ourselves, so we can never outdo God in giving. He gives back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Now we can receive all that in the holy place, and we do. But this opens up the way right into the Holy of Holies. And that, you see, according to the writer of Hebrews, that is where God wants to draw us. So that he can keep imparting that life to us, he can keep impacting our lives with his holiness. Now you see, unless that happens, what actually takes place in our lives is that we live at a lesser level than God intends. To put it crudely, if we are not constantly impacted with his holiness, we will do things that in God's sight are unholy. Now he, Jesus, only needed to offer his life in sacrifice once because it was the perfect sacrifice. But we, following in his way, we need to sacrifice ourselves again and again. Our bodies need to be a living sacrifice. Why? Because it doesn't matter how much we sacrifice ourselves to the Lord, and we'll see what that means in a moment, but it doesn't matter how much we sacrifice ourselves to the Lord, it will never be a perfect sacrifice. So we need to keep offering ourselves, to keep giving ourselves, to keep surrendering ourselves to the Lord. And every time we do so, 
There's a fresh cleansing that is needed in our lives for that which is unholy. Now some of you have heard me say before that actually when you meet with God in the Holy of Holies, even the smallest of sins seems so enormous when you're in the holy place. Things that perhaps you wouldn't even bother to ask God to forgive normally. They seem so out of character with the holiness of God that they have to be dealt with. It's another level of living. It's actually a very intense level of living, but it's a wonderful way to live. And what we have to understand is that holiness is happiness. In other words, it is the most joyful way to live. Jesus lived in holiness, and it says that the anointing that was upon him, the anointing of joy that was upon him, raised him above his companions. He was the happiest person ever to be alive on the face of the earth. Why? Because there was no sin. There was no negative in him. There was nothing to destroy his peace. Now, as we read in uh, Hebrews, and this is why Hebrews is such a wonderful book, because it explains all this for us. Jesus is described as a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, we're not going to go into a long explanation of Melchizedek. It simply means that he has no beginning and no ending. He is an eternal high priest. But Melchizedek means that he is king of righteousness and king of peace. So here, he reigns as king in righteousness, which is why we have to be made righteous to meet with him in his righteousness. But he's also king of peace. And I've explained to you that peace in Scripture means the total well-being of God's people. So to be at peace with God is total well-being. In former times of revival, historically, people weren't usually asked, have you been saved? But have you made your peace with God? Are you at peace with God? It's a good question. Because you can only be at peace with God if you know that you are totally accepted, completely forgiven, and actually made worthy to be able to meet with him. That there is nothing in your life to destroy that peace that God wants. The scripture says this is a peace that is so great it is beyond our understanding. But that peace keeps us in the knowledge of the Son of God, in the knowledge of God and of his Son. Peace is very powerful, which is why when Jesus appeared to the disciples in his risen body and 
they were locked away for fear that they would be the next ones to be arrested and perhaps crucified. He said, peace be with you. And actually before he went to the cross, he said, peace I leave with you. This was his parting gift to the disciples before he went to the cross. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. While he was on earth, as the prophecy of Isaiah points out, he was the Prince of Peace. But once he has passed through the holy place, through the sacrifice and been made perfect forever, he becomes the King of Peace. The Prince of Peace enters, if you like, into his sovereign reign and becomes the King of Peace. So, we have this holy king, this righteous king, this king of peace to reign over us, to reign in us, and to reign through us. Jesus has become the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to the life that God wants us to constantly tap into. Our part is to do what is necessary here in the holy place. Jesus says, the measure you give is the measure you get back. Why do the churches not live in continual revival? Because there is a lack of cleansing and a lack of surrender, of offering. If this is the way that Christians everywhere lived, the church everywhere would be in what we call revival. Because people would be meeting with God in the Holy of Holies, and they would be taking that dynamic of his holy kingship into their daily lives, and the life that is in them would be pouring out of them to impact the lives of others around them. What we have to understand is God has not deliberately made this way difficult. If he's opened up the way for us, he has done the difficult part. And that, of course, was the surrender of his life on the cross. He's made it easy for us. If you imagine a group of people having to go through a jungle, somebody goes first with a machete and is cutting a pathway. That is really what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Then everybody that follows that lead person can walk in the way that has been opened up. 
So we don't need a machete to open up the way through the jungle of the world. Jesus has already done that. We go in the way, but it is a narrow way. This is why Jesus, when he's preaching, says that the way to life is a narrow way. There is a broad path that leads to destruction. But the scripture says the gate is narrow and the way is narrow because the gate to this life, the doorway, if you like, to this life is just one person, Jesus. There is no other way. You can only go through to the Holy of Holies through Jesus. So many get satisfied with being in this place because they don't realize that God wants to take them to a higher place. Some of you know the scripture at the beginning of, of Revelation. Come up higher and I will show you what is to come. Paul says to the Ephesians, live up to your high calling. What is your high calling? It's to be here. Enjoying a foretaste of what will be yours eternally when you live and reign with him in his glory. Now here, we have to understand and appreciate that God knows the hearts of every one of us. He knows when the heart is pure because it has been cleansed. Listen, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall encounter him in his majesty and glory and holiness. We can't purify ourselves. Only he can purify us. God knows when we have purified hearts. He knows also when a heart is surrendered to him. He knows if there are any ways in which we are holding back from that full surrender. So he knows when it is appropriate to take us right through into that encounter with him. Now, we have to appreciate that all of this is not for our benefit. That all that Jesus has done is not for our benefit. First and foremost, it is for the glory of the Father. Jesus said, I will do whatever you ask in my name 
so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Everything Jesus said and did was for the glory of the Father. God created mankind for his glory, to know his glory. Sin has robbed people of that glory. The devil has robbed people of the glory. He is intent on doing that because he was once in the glory himself as the archangel Lucifer. But when he rebelled against the Lord, he was cast out of heaven. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, Jesus said. Because there can be nothing unholy in heaven, in the highest heaven, where Jesus rules and reigns. Glory to God in the highest. So because he got thrown out of the glory, the devil wants to do all he can to rob people of the glory. The primary reason for wanting to see people saved is not that they can go to heaven, but that the glory of God is restored in the life of that person. That the glory that sin robbed them of has been restored through the sacrifice of Jesus. Through all that he has done for us. Now, of course, the benefit comes to all those that are saved. But the motive is first and foremost for the glory of God. We want to see more people saved, not just so that they will go to heaven, but so that God himself will be glorified in more and more people. And of course, the more we want to see God glorified in our own lives, the more he will use us to see him glorified in the lives of others. There will be harvest. But people brought not just to a point of making decisions, but into disciples, becoming disciples that meet with God and know him in his glory. There is a higher place, you see, into which God wants to take us. And we can stay in this place, and it's a good place, because it's filled with praise and we know the cleansing of the Lord and we surrender to a certain extent to him. And yet, there's still a frustration because you sense there is something more, there is something greater. And at this moment, it's eluding you. It's as if, well, we're not quite there. What can we do to get there? And the only thing we can do is to surrender. Is to be cleansed and to be given over to him wholeheartedly. However, 
That might sound quite simple. Okay, that's what we've got to do, so let's do it. But it has to be done with the right motive. Because God looks upon the heart, he understands the motive with which everything is done. So there's a question that we all have to face. Do you want to be holy? Not do you want to be made holy, but do you want to live in holiness? Because you see, God's purpose is not that we should simply have an encounter with God in the Holy of Holies, but we live there. that we live close to him. We live at one with him. Is that what you want? It means, of course, that you pass through death in order to come to life. But that death has already happened when Jesus took you to the cross, crucified you with him. But you see, Paul says to the Romans, you have to reckon yourself as dead. It is a matter of dying to self. Jesus said, if any man would seek to save his life or his soul, the word can be translated either way. If any man would seek to save his life, he will lose it. But if anyone loses his life for my sake and for the gospel, he will find it. Are you prepared to lose yourself? in God. You can't even know what that means until you do it. There's no way to really describe it even. You see, beloved, what we're doing this week is aiming for the highest. Because that is the sovereign will of God. All this, God has accomplished to enable his sovereign will, not his permissive will, but his sovereign will to be outworked in our lives. What is his sovereign will? that we live here, not here. We pass through this to live here. 
We have to go out into the world and keep coming back into this place. But God wants that to be a continuous event in our lives. Do you remember what Jesus says in John 10 about being the good shepherd? He knows his sheep by name and he calls them out by name. Mm -hmm. And what does he say about them? They will come in and go out and find pasture. They'll keep coming in and going out. And when they go out, they will take all that they received when they came in. Jesus is, of course, speaking prophetically of what would be possible once he had made his life. And, of course, it's in that chapter that he says, thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that men may have life and have it in abundance. And that's what God wants, for us to come in and go out. Come in and go out. Because we can only go out with what we've received when we come in. So all this is wonderful. But the great thing about this week is that we have had the sense for some time now that this is God's timing to take us from here to here. And in his plan for our lives, both individually and corporately, God has his timing. And the wonderful thing about the unfolding of God's purposes in Scripture is that the Scripture keeps saying, and suddenly God does something. Like, for example, on the day of Pentecost, and suddenly the Spirit came upon them. Mighty wind. Flames of fire. Suddenly, there's an event. Suddenly, there's an encounter. But God prepares very carefully for his suddenness. They've been praying together for ten days before the suddenly happened. Before the event before the encounter. 
And before that, there had been 40 days of resurrection appearances with Jesus. And before that, there had been three and a half years of living with him as disciples and followers. All that was a preparation for his suddenly. And they didn't know when the suddenly would happen. They didn't know when there would be that event that the Spirit of God would come upon them. And we can't tell God when his suddenlies are to be. But you see, it's not, as we saw last night, it's not just a question of waiting for an event, but of knowing that there will be actually a series of events. Because they had an event in Acts chapter 2, they had another one in Acts chapter 4, and so on. Continual series of encounters with God. Life-transforming times. Times to equip them for the outworking of his call upon their lives. But they were getting on with the business of doing what Jesus had told them to do, to meet together, to pray, to be waiting upon the Lord. And he knew the right time. I believe that during those ten days, all kinds of things got sorted out among the disciples. Like the jealousy between Peter and John, and so on. Because the Spirit came when they were of one heart and one mind. And God brought them to that place. And I believe that's the process that God has been taking us through in these last months. Not just us here at Rafi, but in the church. Bringing us through to be of one heart and one mind. I think some people have left because they would not be of one heart and one mind with us. But what God has is a people now that will become one in heart and mind. Devoted to the Lord together, devoted to one another, devoted to his purposes for harvest and breakout. And I believe that God, whatever he does today, tomorrow, and throughout these 21 days of I believe this, these 21 days, you see, are the equivalent to what Jesus was telling those disciples to do. We'll just come together and pray. Wait upon God. Let this process of cleansing get deeper and deeper in your life. Let this process of offering go on. So, you know, God will know the right time and the right way in which to move when he's brought us to the place where we are equipped, ready, we're living in the full blessing of our redemption that makes us fit and ready to meet with God in his glory. So here, every one of us has a responsibility to be in the right place with God so that he is glorified in our lives, 
to be in right place with one another so there is that love and that unity together. But also, God wants to move upon us as a body, not just as a group of individuals. Because he will fulfill his purposes through his body. We will be a body of people. There will be breakout in the body. And yes, that means in the individual members of the body, but something dynamic will happen corporately. That's a process. As part of the process, there will be events. There must be events. There has to be events. But it's not just the event that matters. It's the whole process of going with Jesus. Not just staying in this holy place, but pressing right through to be where he died to make it possible for us to be. So that's it. So what can we do? We can only ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Show me, Lord. What needs to be cleansed out of my life? I don't, I don't mean the sins that we're aware of. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But what about the things that actually do not glorify God, that we're either not conscious of or deliberately blind to, or we want to hold on to? What about those things he permits as part of his permissive will, but they're not actually what he wants? They're not part of his sovereign will. Are you prepared for God to show you the things you still need to die to because they actually hinder his best purpose in your life. Only the Holy Spirit can show you those things. When he does, and he will, if that's what you really want. When he does, it's how you respond that matters. And what about the offering? Are you holding back? Holding on to anything or anyone? 
Only the Holy Spirit can show you. Is there anyone in your life that is more important to you than Jesus? Because if there is, Jesus says, you're not worthy of me. Doesn't matter who they are, husband, wife, children. Do they mean more to you than Jesus? Is he supreme in all things? Does he have the first place in everything? Just asking. But I have to face these questions just as much as you. If we follow in his steps, and the scripture says that that's what we're to do on Peter, perfect offering. Do you want to overcome the enemy in your life? Thank you for your response. <laughs> How has he overcome? Three ways. Christians usually quote the first two and miss out the third. Through the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and we love not our lives even to death. At the heart of all this is the recognition God does not exist for our benefit. We exist for his glory. And if God's sovereign will is going to be outworked in your life, it will be because you live for his glory. Let's all stand. <clears throat> At this point, I can't do much to lead you. I might just, Holy Spirit might just lay a few things on my heart, but this is where every one of us has got to come before him, personally. So just start engaging your heart with him.
respond to what he's said to you this morning. He knows you. knows all about you. He wants you. He desires you. He longs for you. Loves you so much. He longs for you to be close to him. Longs for you to live at one with him. Can you respond to his longing? Do you long for him as he longs for you? Do you desire him as he desires you? Are you ready to give yourself to him as he gives himself to you? Holy Spirit, help us. Reveal to every one of us whatever we need to see and to understand about your great love for us. And about our response to that love. Thank you for the blood that cleanses, for the spirit that enables.
Don't try to analyze yourself. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let him show you whatever he sees needs to be cleansed, needs to be surrendered. Don't analyze yourself. That's not what the scripture tells you to do. Let Jesus shine his light into your heart. Can he see any impurity there? Can he see any compromise there? Does he see a divided heart or a heart that is wholeheartedly given to him? He wants the best for you. And his best is for you to be clean, made holy, righteous, redeemed, fit to meet with him in his glory. to be totally at peace with him, the king of peace. Jesus. The way is open. steps <clears throat> you follow in his way 
whoever claims to live in him. The scripture says, must walk as Jesus did. Peter says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So he says, therefore prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Surrender to the sovereign will of God. Lord, I'm no longer content with your permissive will. I submit myself to your sovereign will that you will reign in my life in the way that you have desired. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, 
firm and steadfast. Lord, we thank you that your purpose is always to impart your best, for us to live in your best. Thank you that you are a God who never gives anything less than your best. who never does anything that is second-rate or half-hearted. Thank you that your holiness is the best. It's the best for us and the best for all your children. Thank you that your word declares that your purpose is for the spirit of glory and of God to rest upon us. For you to be glorified in our lives by the fruit that we bear. Thank you that there's no limit to what you can do through a people that are surrendered to you. Thank you that you will be able to do more than we could ask or imagine according to your mighty power, your abundant power that is at work within us. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Kora pakala santaria leto. Ustakalaria leto pakala sita di sandaria leto pakala santa. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Poratapariya leto bakala sitri santama. Bastakalaria leto bakala sitri sandaria leto bakala sandarama sundama. Bastakalaria leto bakala sitri sandaria leto bakala sundaria lemma. Bastakalaria leto bakala sitri sandaria leto bakala sundama. Pastakalaria leto bakala sitri sandaria leto bakala sinoma. Borotoparia leto bakala sitri sandaria leto bakala santa. Pastakalaria leto bakala sitri sandaria leto bakala santoma. 
O papara sandalia lero bakala sidri sandalia lero bakala sinu. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Poratabaria leto bakala sidri sandalia. Bapara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandalia. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandalia leto bakala sinama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandalia leto bakala sinama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandalia leto bakala sinama. Bostakalaria leto bakala sidri sandalia leto bakala sante. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandalia leto bakala sinama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sante. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandalia leto bakala sandama. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Pora tapalia leto bakala sindalia leto bakala sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sante. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sante. O papara sandalia leto bakala sinama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama rondama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandalia leto bakala sandalia leto masundama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama rondama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandalia leto bakala sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama rondama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandalia leto bakala sinama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala 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 sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. O ratapari leto bakala sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama randama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sandalia randama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sandama. O papapakala sandalia leto bakala sinama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sandalia leto bakala sinama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sandalia leto bakala sandama. O papara sandalia leto bakala sidri sandama. 
O papara samdaria lero bakalasiteri samdaria lenama. O hallelujah. 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 The Lord wants to bring you to that point where you're desperate for his holiness. To be holy as he is holy. That it's the longing of your heart. That's the kind of heart he wants every one of us to have. A heart to be like him. Heaven is the place for those who want to be like Jesus. The scripture says that we shall be transformed in a moment of time into his likeness. Heaven is for those who want to be like him. And his sovereign purpose is to transform us into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you put your desire into our hearts. To want what you want. To give ourselves into your hands, Lord, that you can work in us your sovereign will. To be a holy people. Thank you that you say in your word that the nations will know that I am the Lord when I show myself holy through you. Thank you, Lord. We're going to impact nations as we allow you to take us into that place of your holiness, of unity with you in your holiness. We bless you. We praise you. Just go on working in us, Lord, throughout this day. We don't want to rest from you, Lord. We want you to, we want you to continue to be working in our hearts. So even when we come to the encounter time tonight, we really are longing to encounter you in your holiness. We are longing for a revelation of yourself. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you that you promised that you will continue to make yourself known to us. That the Father's love for the Son might be in us. The Son's love for the Father might be in us. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We praise you, Jesus. Now we'll finish the formal meeting there because some of you got work to go and do. But just keep in this place and with the Lord during the day, with your heart, one with Him, longing for Him. Because He promises to satisfy the longings of our hearts. See, when we have the right longings, then we have the right satisfaction.
Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com. 